Goal Lines, what's happening? John Kazar at Kazar NFL on Twitter, in fact. And I'm joined today by Jordan Rodrigue, who's with The Athletic. You've been working with, you know, for the Panthers part of things, and now it's the Rams with The Athletic. What's going on, Jordan? Yeah, you know, I switched over beats this spring, and I couldn't be more excited. I, I really enjoyed my time covering the Panthers for the last four seasons. But for me, I'm a West Coaster, so uh, it was time for me to kind of move back that way. And I've been really excited uh, the last month or so officially covering the Rams and keeping them, you know, keeping track of sort of a wild off season for them. Um, you know, lots and lots of changes. So I, I'm really excited about this team. They've got a great locker room, great roster, and really interesting coaching staff. So looking forward to, to what comes next. Yeah, uh, I think Sean McVay, I mean, I don't know what happened after this past year. A lot of people are suddenly saying, oh, maybe he's not all what we thought he was. People are, are quick to, to change their mind about things. I think he's a brilliant guy. What are your thoughts? Yeah, he's everything that you know, I thought he would be in terms of the knowledge and sort of the attention to detail and the understanding of of roster building and coaching. And, and so I've been really impressed with him. We've spoken quite a few times this spring, and he's just every single time I, I feel like I learned something. And that's really important because he's a really effective communicator, not just with the media, but with his own players. And so with this many changes that they've gone through, I think it's, it's really important to keep those traits and to make sure you're still continuing to hone those traits that he has. And for me, I think that a little bit of the criticism was, you know, are you going to continue to win in your window? Um, are you going to make things work? And for, to me, it seems like with the staff that he's brought in, you know, he kind of admitted he can't do it all by himself all the time on the offense and, and, and in the quarterback's room. So he brought in Kevin O'Connell at OC and another really bright guy. And then he brings in Brandon Staley, who's kind of like this unproven sort of like hidden gem that everybody in the league is talking about right now because he's just this crazy smart, really creative, um, superb play designer and uh, very, very good communicator. So it seems like Sean McVay is sort of, seeing where he needs a little extra assistance and and sort of finding people with those qualities, but they also have very McVeigh-like qualities in that regard, too. So it's sort of been interesting to see him troubleshoot his own coaching ability, his own ability as a CEO sort of of this roster and of this team um, and figure out where he needs a little bit more support. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Brandon Staley, who's um, pretty young himself. You're under 40 and you're some uh, coach in any capacity in the league. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> and you're young. <laughs> um, and yeah. S- yeah, and so what? for the Bears, uh, outside linebackers coach, did some work with the Broncos and then finally got his spot, you know? Yeah, and and it's it's really an interesting story um, because he was he was in college ranks for a while, and um, everywhere you go and you talk to people about him, there's just really they're really excited about his potential, and so there's obviously some c- concern there. Never having called a defense um, in a game live, and then we don't know what the preseason will look like, so that will kind of be a big important factor for him, but you just hear really good things about the way he maximizes ability uh, from his players. Um, All the players that I've talked to are so fired up just listening to him talk, even on these Zoom conferences. It's so hard to get people engaged and get people excited, but I guess he's just really competitive. And so the interesting quality for me is watching this spring and this fall um, when they actually get back on the field, or excuse me, this summer, Mm -hmm. 
And watching how his defensive unit goes against Sean McVay's offensive unit and Kevin O'Connell um, in practices and watching sort of that chess match, because I think it will make both of them better. And you could tell talking to Sean, like every time I've asked him about it, he just busted out laughing because he, he just is so anticipating, you know, these battles that they're going to have and that, and that will very much make them better. And I, I think that's going to be a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, the competitiveness, no doubt good for, I think, both sides, both phases. And, and it, I don't know if Sean wants to win too much because that'll make, his, uh, or make him a little worried about his defense, you know. So he wants to see some, some tight matchups there, I think. Uh, that, that's kind of what you go for when you're doing those practices, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think they're going to want it just to be a battle. Like, this is this is going to be a staff that doesn't just, um, you know, practice within the confines of, of what you would normally think an NFL structure is, play, install, et cetera. This mm-hmm. is going to be a staff that tries new things. And so you're going to try to see them push the boundaries a little bit. Um, and they can do that comfortably against each other in practice because they're very much on the same page of, of wanting to constantly push each other, constantly being comp- competitive, um, not just with calls, but with design, with matchups, and seeing if they can work out this competition to where it translates on the field. And to me, that's, that's really going to be fun to watch. As a journalist, you just love covering those types of storylines, um, those behind-the-scenes sort of moments. Hey, it's your passion, and you're really into it, and you want to discover, and, and that's the beauty of it. And, and one thing before we uh, you know, move on to the players instead of the coaches here is that Sean McVay, to me, is someone who, and it's impressive, can find details in details. I mean, it's just he breaks it down to a, to a microscience. It's incredible, and that, that really is football. You know, it's all detail-based, right, Jordan? Yeah, I agree completely, and he seems very, very in tune to that, and something that I thought was important that we're going to see proof of, um, either for the better or for the worse this season, is he has had a chance to turn sort of that attention to detail inward on himself. Um, this, you know, he's been in in his house quarantining like the rest of us, and he has been, had more time, he says, to really troubleshoot himself, to really sort of look inward and, and see where he needs to step up, where he needs to continue his own growth. And I think some of the best coaches in the league, no matter how old or young they are, their progress and their sort of um, sustained success comes from the ability to recognize their own flaws and, and fix them and to sort of self-scout in that way. And, and I think he's been doing a lot of that this, this spring and summer. Sure. Let's get to that draft that happened a couple months ago. The Rams made nine picks in total, four on day two, five in the final four rounds. We're gonna. I'm gonna ask you about a couple specific players, but overall, how did you think they did? I liked it. It was kind of one of those those more subtle draft classes because they they obviously didn't have the first rounder, um, but I really I thought it was really a solid class. They drafted at positions. Um, where they already have a lot of their key guys in place. Um, they're, they're sort of foundational pieces. But, you know, obviously losing Todd Gurley, bringing in a new running back uh, with dynamic ability, that was really important. Um, obviously bringing in another wide receiver, not necessarily to replace Brandon Cooks, but to sort of complement the receiver's on the roster in various ways. Um, you know, even even Bryson Hopkins bringing in a tight, another tight end, you know, we saw a lot of 12 personnel at the end of last season for the Rams when 11 wasn't working for them anymore as, as well as it had in the past. And so 
the, the guys that they brought in give them a lot of flexibility, a lot of versatility at, at many of these positions that they did draft. And it kind of allows them to be very malleable and, and very flexible with what they're able to do on both sides of the ball. So um, it was, I think, like I would, I would ca- categorize it as sort of a, a subtly excellent um, draft class. Yeah, no, and I, and I would agree with that. Nothing stands out crazy. You, you said, you know, we were talking about Van Jefferson, by the way, that receiver that is not really replacing Cooks, but you can say he, he is because I think he's capable. I think this is a great addition, and it might be one of the better draft picks for them. Yeah, I really, really liked the Van Jefferson pick for them. And not just, you know, they're, they're not going to just send him downfield, you know, on nines every play. Mm-hmm. And, and Brandon Cooks had a hard time, um, not just with the, the injury history, but it just it just never quite clicked. Um, their plan for him just didn't sort of roll out the way that they thought it would. And so Van Jefferson, he's sort of a Swiss Army knife receiver. And, and what I like to say about him is he's a, he's a technician because – he has perfected route running. He has perfected um, running a full tree, and he absolutely can plug in where these other guys, the Cooper Cups, the Robert Woods, um, if they have establishments that they're sort of in their sort of space, he can plug in around them. And it's, it's going to be, I think, a really versatile group for that reason because we know Cooper Cup and Robert Woods can do a variety of different things. Um, and line up in a variety of spots, and Van Jefferson can as well. So to me, I kind of envision it as like if if Jared Goff in the center is the sun, they're all kind of like orbiting around him in terms of how <laughs> they can line up consistently, and that makes it really, really hard to know um, as a defense what you're going to do and what you're going to see, and, and Van Jefferson is sort of like that master key that sort of helps unlock more layers of the offense. Sure, I love how you put that. You can tell you're a journalist, and then you've been doing it for a little bit, huh? <laughs> but um, so, but the only problem that I have here, I wouldn't call it a problem, maybe a, a question mark, I guess. We just don't know the answer to. Simply is that you talked about, you know, all these people, you know, these guys, these receivers, maybe Woods goes deep and stretches vertical, but they seem like a more horizontal slash spacing type of offense. Is that going to make them limited at all? So I think that's a good point. And I think they're going to try Josh Reynolds uh, to stretch a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to try to send him, send him downfield a little bit more um, just because they want to see if they can still take the top off. And that's something that's important. But what I'm seeing is them trying to, particularly with their, their pickup of Van Cam Akers and Bryson, as well as the, the tight ends they already have, I see them trying to create more layers um, horizontally, like you said, and, and more layers in the middle of the field. And and for that, for those reasons, I think that they are um, they're going to use a lot of Cam Akers out of the backfield as a pass catcher, in, in my in my belief, because again, that adds another layer. Um, I think we are going to continue to see a lot of twelve personnel from them, and they brought in Bryson Hopkins, who's like pretty underrated. I know he had the drops. Mm-hmm. problem but um, I, I think he's a pretty underrated guy and then I think that you know again we're going to see these receivers rotating a lot lining up in a lot of different ways um, and also utilizing cam makers as sort of someone who can hold a defense accountable and, and when you add all of these layers um, not just coming out of the backfield but in the middle of the field and and really um, sort of wreaking havoc in the short term and intermediate layers um, and then you stretch the field and you you have success a couple times a game with a guy like Josh Reynolds, who I think is, is coming into his own and coming into his potential, um, they're hoping they have a really complimentary group here and um, that they can do more than just a couple of things. Yeah, well, it was just tough. And, and, and just kind of zooming back out real quick on their on their 2019 outlook, you know, the year before, what 
you, you make it to the Super Bowl, okay? And and, and yeah, it was it, it was it was a tough game against the Patriots. The next year, though, you don't even make the playoffs. So I think that's where that oh McVay is he really who he thought he was kind of a deal comes in. We're gonna get to Jared Goff as as we top off our convo because I think he's uh, the most important piece as far as whether they succeed ultimately or not. But so it, it's it's that that backwards uh, step I guess that they took. But now you're talking about all these pieces and you're making me want to become a Rams fan real quick here, Jordan, because there's a <laughs> lot of. <laughs> and so one more thing I wanted to add though is you talked about Bryson Hopkins for example there's and it wasn't a great tight end class by any means and I think you know that but there's a guy who if he went to you know somewhere you know I don't know some some random team a little more so like the Raiders versus here but he comes here you suddenly feel more optimistic and you can maximize his potential uh, because of where he went so it's not so much just the player and their talent but the the location where they end up right yeah, I agree with that. I think that they have a really good group of coaches, um, and I think that they're going to be tested in terms of how they can develop talent. I mean, they had premier talent across the board um, the year they went to the Super Bowl. And, you know, as they take a step back, the important thing is if you're a coaching staff and you are forced to take a step back like that, um, you, you sort of fail to meet the expectations from the prior year. You have to make sure that you're breathing and then recentering and then figuring out an action plan of how to move forward. And so for this, you can tell that there was a lot of thought put into, okay, we have certain foundational pieces, but we need to bring in guys who we also think we can develop into some special, special players. And, and I'm not necessarily saying Bryson is going to be one of those elite players at all, but how can you develop them to maximize what their potential could be within your roster. And I think they very much looked for guys um, who they felt that, that were a match for them in that regard. No, totally. And, and, and some guys may have the talent, but they don't have the opportunity. Now, where does Bryson sit yeah. as far as that, that tight end room goes? <clears throat> um, I think he's a, he's a good sort of safety piece for them because, um, and what I mean is they, they still have a couple tight ends and Gerald Everett's coming into a contract year, obviously, mm-hmm. but he's kind of a, um, if they don't want to pay Gerald, then they have Bryson kind of situation. Um, and then, you, you know, you give him a year to develop. Maybe you run, a, you put him in a couple of packages, see what he can do for you in a couple of different situations. Um, maybe you see if he can be a red zone target. Maybe you see if he can be a good, a good target in the middle of the field. Maybe you see if he can block. And I think it's a, it's a development year for him, but, particularly if they're trying to save money with some of these massive contracts coming up. Um, a guy like him, a guy like Van Jefferson, um, you know, these are, these are two players who are a little bit of a safety valve for them um, in 2021, where no matter how much you see of them or don't see of them in 2020, um, I think 2021 is a good year, going to be a good year for them. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. And, and and now here we are. We have all these pieces. And you gotta you gotta know first of all, McVeigh, whether or not last year was was a little difficult for the team. He's still a very smart guy. He's going to utilize these tools pretty well. But like you said, it all kind of revolves around Jared Goff. Let's get to this conversation. Will he be more consistent, Jordan? Because let's look at two things here. There were times where he looked really good last year. Um, he threw for over three hundred and three touchdowns against Arizona, who had a you know tougher defense than some other teams. And then there was a, another game where he struggled, like against the. Ravens, where he had no touchdowns, two interceptions. Granted, the Ravens are, are tough, but we, we see a kind of polarizing uh, Jared Goff last year. Now, where do we move forward, and can he be consistent? Yeah, that's the big question, because they've made it clear that they are married to him contract-wise. I mean, his, his cap hits are massive the next couple of years, and so I think that two things really will are are, are dedicated to helping him 
become more consistent. One of them is bringing Kevin O'Connell in. Um, you hear really great things about how he's coached quarterbacks and, and what he's been able to do in the past, um, using his own experience as a backup, a longtime backup in the league. And then also Cam Akers, I think, is going to be crucial to Goff becoming more consistent and being able to establish more of a rhythm, not just if he can you know, actually establish the running game, which they have struggled with, um, unfortunately, with Todd Gurley's injury situation. But Out of the backfield, right? Catching yeah, it, yeah, but also out of the backfield. Yeah, that's so important. And I covered Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey for a long time. And um, when Christian McCaffrey got to Carolina, they utilized him, um, especially in his rookie season, more so out of the backfield. Um, and it just was – it helps an offense become so efficient, and it really – helps give that quarterback a safety valve, particularly with uh, an offensive line that is questionable. <laughs> um, and so he, he he's like a safety valve. He's an easy button. Um, he's sort of like just this, this ultimate aid to a quarterback when he can run out of the backfield and give that option. And so I think that helps a quarterback find his rhythm. That helps him get a little bit more confident, helps him make be a better decision maker. Um, and so not only establishing being, you know, Cam being able to, to establish the run and then establish play action after that, but also be a safety valve out of the backfield um, as a pass catcher, I think is, is going to help Jared Goff enormously in 2020. 100%. And, and you can call them all these things, safety valve, maybe an offsetter, meaning like you just have one play after doing like four passing plays, but one that's kind of out to the running back that the defense wasn't planning for. He suddenly gets 15 yards. It just kind of offset the defense a little bit right there. You know what I mean? So there's that uh, factor as well with Cam Akers and any other running back the Rams want to use. We're talking about what Malcolm Brown we got, uh, as well as Daryl Henderson. These guys, are they're no slouches. <laughs> Yeah, I really like this running back's room. I think that Daryl Henderson, I think he was, you know, obviously he's gone under the radar and, and maybe um, it was really hard for them to establish any sort of rhythm um, in their running back's room last, last season. And obviously that a little of that was outside of their control. But with Cam Akers, particularly Cam Akers and, and Daryl Henderson, I think are going to be a really dynamic combination. And we think about some of the really successful playoffs teams and we think about you know how i'm thinking specifically of like the 1718 saints and how they were able to use that sort of one-two punch of camara and ingram and how they they were sort of able to um flip defenses on their backs at that point and it just was it's just something that this is such a copycat league and i think that if you have Sean McVay and he's like, oh, that, that works really well. And then he tried to do it last year and they couldn't really get a ton of rhythm going. Um, I think this is something they're sort of really, really anxious in a good way to get started and to see what this one-two punch can be. I'm anxious to see it. And like, and like I said, I'm not a Rams fan. I'm an NFL fan. And it's just knowing what, what they can do over there. And it's, I, I just think ultimately it's going to come down to decision-making with Jared Goff. How is he in the pocket under pressure? Where, where is he deciding to go? And is that the best decision in the, in based on the windows and all that? You know, I think that's ultimate. We're talking, though, when it comes to the playoffs and the big defenses. What are your thoughts on that as we close off here? Yeah, you know, I would really, I think that he is, like we said, again, inconsistent in that regard. And a lot of that comes sort of in the meeting rooms and a lot of that comes from practices and and comes from really taking ownership of what the offense is doing, of what the plan is, and really sort of um, taking ownership of the calls and the huddle. A lot of that is obviously, you know, he's on the run quite a bit last year, uh, when he had better protection, he did a little bit better, as we saw. But 
the inconsistency, I think, um, in, in his decision-making is something that absolutely cannot become a habit for him because he's entering into this real stretch where he is now, he's not, he, 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 this is the part of his contract where he's not being paid for previous work. This is all about what he can do now. And so, again, they're, they're trying to put the pieces around him, it looks like, and now it's Jared's role to step up and make sure that he can perform consistently and that he can really, um, you know, manage these expectations and, and take ownership of this offense. Totally, totally, and I'm with you on that. Looking forward to seeing it. Uh, so, yeah, Jordan Rodrigue with us, uh, writing, as she likes to say on Twitter, good stories for The Athletic. What does that even mean, Jordan, as we uh, let you get your, any plugs here you want or all that? Yeah, well, you know, I, I do cover the Rams. I'm a beat writer for the Rams, but I also um, I get pulled into national projects, which has really been fun for me. So I like to I like to say, hey, you're going to get Rams coverage from me, but you're also going to get a little league stuff, a little bit of um, maybe some off the wall stuff as well. So um, good stories and Los Angeles Rams for the Athletic. That's right. I got you right here. Theathletic.com/slash/Los Angeles. Yes, sir. All righty. Anything else that you want to say uh, before we let you get back to work, Jordan? Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, I just really appreciated you having me. And uh, Rams fans are listening. I am so excited uh, to be your new beat writer. And thanks for such a gracious and warm welcome so far. Yeah, and I'm not just saying this. There's some teams that don't have quite the uh, positive outlook that the Rams have this year. So uh, winning the division, let's just maybe just get in the playoffs, right? And then we'll see what kind of noise they can make from there, right? Yeah, one step at a time, I think. (laughs) That's how we have to live these days, especially, Jordan. I hope you get out to L.A. soon, okay? Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. We are between the goal lines here. It's John Kazar at Kazar NFL. And this was uh, Jordan Rodrigue with us. She's at Jordan. That's with a U. Rodrigue on Twitter at Jordan Rodrigue. And another instance of us going between the goal lines. Episode 7 in the books.